Have you ever been hungry? I mean, really, really hungry. I'm talking about my stomach hurts hungry. I feel faint hungry. I got an attitude hungry. If you have ever felt this way, might I say you're human? One of the funnier things about Christianity to me is that we don't talk enough about food. I mean, trust me, we do enough of talking about what we should and shouldn't eat, but we don't do enough of talking about food. How good food is. How necessary food is. You see, even Jesus, when he was praying, made sure that he said to his father, Lord, give us our daily bread. You know, the first controversial story of the Bible revolves around food. Some of Jesus' most infamous disciples and prophets, their pinnacle of their ministry was when they were challenged with food. Amen. Amen. Happy Sabbath, church. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath, church. Happy Sabbath. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys today. If I might say so myself, the enemy has done everything possible this morning to make sure that this didn't happen, which means that God made sure that it could happen. Amen. I woke up this morning to a flat tire. Um, Of course, you know, the cold weather, you get that low pressure sign. So I'm like, I keep going, you know, driving Uber all week. Of course, it would be the Sabbath, but I would actually see it low to the ground. Uh, I had to throw off the nice button-up shirt I had prepared for you guys today and uh, get to the side of the road just to get a couple pumps in there to get the tire out to make it to the gas station. But all in all, I'm here, and I'm very, very happy because I've been blessed ever since Sabbath school all the way up until now. Um, And I just really thank God for this church and for this opportunity. So um, I won't keep you long just because today I'm going to be talking about food. Amen. Uh, I didn't hear a loud enough. Amen. I said, I'm going to be talking about food. Amen. All right. So uh, I don't want anybody to mind to go too far left. And, uh, you know, someone just get out of here and say, I got to get some food now. So I will keep this short. Um, I don't want to talk much about myself um, because I want to spend as much time as I can speaking about Jesus. Um, Jesus is my best friend. Um, He saved me from a lot. Uh, And one of the best things that I love about Jesus is his emphasis he puts on food. No? No? I'm going to tell you all right now, this is the theology of food. So if you don't like food, this sermon might not be for you. But one of the reasons why I know this sermon is for everyone is because whether you like food or not, you need food. Amen? I said whether you like food or not, you need food. And one of the best things about food is that Jesus is crazy about it. If you have your Bibles with me, please turn to our scripture reading, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 26 and verses 27. I'll read in your hearing. It says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not. 
for the meat which perish, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him have God the Father sealed. The title of my sermon today is Feed Them, Feed Them. Let's pray. Father God, I love you so much. Lord, you are truly our best friend. Lord, you have put a protection over all of us this week to bring us to your Sabbath to just take a break and reflect on you. So, Lord, right now, I ask that you will hide me behind your cross. I pray that right now the instrument that is Vincent will be used by you. I pray, Lord, that you will do what you always do, which is show up and bless us. And you went up for my do pray. Amen. I should have preferenced this sermon by saying that you are in the presence of one of the best chefs in Maryland. Amen. Oh, some of you can't say it too strong because you don't believe it, but you are in the presence of one of the best chefs in Maryland. Now, I will let you know this. I have only been cooking for a month, but trust me and believe me, you are in the presence of one of the best chefs in Maryland. Now, you might be asking, you're laughing, you're thinking there's no way in the world. Your mother makes some good food. What's your favorite meal? You're laughing. You got to give us your favorite meal. What's your favorite meal? Rice and peas. You're still in my sermon for me, but don't worry about it. Listen, I have made everything. Candy yams, macaroni and cheese. You know, I've done my greens. I've, I've uh, what did I make uh, the other day? Uh, red snapper. I made red snapper. I see the eyes. I see the eyes. You know about the red snapper now. I, I went to the grocery store. They scaled it and everything. You know, I came back to the house. I marinated it. Oh, can someone say Amen. We got to marinate the fish overnight, let it sit in the fridge. I let the seasonings get into its body. You know, I am a professional chef. Now, I know you're laughing and thinking there's no way he's only been cooking for a month. But I promise you this. I am a very good chef. The one thing, however, that continues to defeat me time and time again is rice and peas. Rice and peas. I, know I must preference this. You know, I'm from Massachusetts, but I come from a West Indies church. Is there anybody from an island in here? Any, any islanders? Oh, a bunch of islanders. Everybody. Amen. So this is the church. This is the sermon for this church. When I tell you that I love rice and peas, I love rice and peas. I mean, you can give me some meat on the side, some veggie loaf with some gravy, but just serve me some good, authentic rice and peas, and I'm good to go. I eat rice and peas every day, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why they don't serve rice and peas with breakfast meals, am I correct? Come on, some rice and peas to start your day would be amazing. So I said to myself, now that I know that I am a master chef and I made macaroni and cheese and it had layers and it was golden yellow at the top and I made candy yams that were so sweet. You would just, ooh, I'm telling you, I'm the best chef that you know in Maryland. But I said to myself, let me now go and experiment with making rice in peace. I went to the store. I bought my rice. I went and got my coconut milk. Yes. Right, you know. Oh, my scotch bonnet pepper. And then I went to the store and I recognized that I had a real issue. The issue is that unless you get the right ingredients, it will not taste like the rice and peas I know I love. 
So I go to the store. I say, okay, I know my ingredients. I need my coconut milk. I go and grab any coconut milk. Oh, you already made the face. You know what went wrong. You already know what went wrong. Oh, coconut cream. Sister, let's not even do the sermon. Talk to me. Coconut cream, is that the answer? No. I got, of course. The Goya one, I just bought it. I turned it. I put it in there. I said, oh, I'm going to make rice in peas. I said, oh, well, scotch bonnet pepper is what they say brings the flavor. I said, ah, I, there's no scotch bonnet pepper at Wegmans. Let me get a habanero pepper. It's not the same. I'm mixing everything. I'm watching this beautiful white. You know, I got my time leave. You know, I didn't get the, the, the yes, I, I'm telling you, I am a professional. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I got my thyme leaves, I'm putting them in the bottom with the oil and mixing it and getting ready. And as I began to make these rice and peas, you know, I put the rice in there and I'll be honest with you, I make everything well but rice. Rice is, uh, rice has escaped me. And it's not just rice and peas. I've tried to make Spanish rice. I've tried to make Haitian black rice. Rice is so difficult for me to make. Because with rice, I, I'll be honest with you, I think rice is the most faith food you have to have. In the sense that people say, make the rice in peace, put it in a pot, put a top on it, and just leave it. Yes? Is that magic or something? Because every time I've tried it and took the top off, something goes wrong. Don't take the top off. That's what they all say. Everyone says don't take the top. So I've taken the top off many times just to play around with it to make sure it was good. Uh, but yes. Rice and peas have always come out bad for me, which has been disheartening because I love them the most. Um... But as I was beginning to make these rice and peas, I began to think about food and how beautiful of an art it is. Amen. I began to think about my grandmother and I began to think about my mom and how this time of the year is one of the best times of the year for all of us. And we call it Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the best time of the year for a lot of us because all of the amazing meals that you could think of happen at one time. I mean, you have dishes that don't even go together being served at Thanksgiving because if it's your favorite, you get to eat it on this day. Yeah. And one of the best things that I love about eating on Thanksgiving is that not only do you get the different varieties, but your favorite chef makes it. Oh, somebody needs to say Amen. I mean, your favorite chef will get in that kitchen or show up on Thanksgiving morning with a pan of your... You're just looking at your auntie like, I know what you got in there. Are those your favorite greens? Are those those rice and peas with the coconut oil? All right, we'll get it right. Afterwards, please, me and you, let's talk. Don't worry about it. Yes. But Thanksgiving has become one of the uh, favorite meals of me. But as I began to kind of think about Thanksgiving, um, one of my favorite sermons to preach is about the first Thanksgiving that happened in the history of the Bible. Now, many of us believe that when we think of Thanksgiving, of course, is the story of the pilgrims coming over here and sharing a meal with Native Americans and they're engaging in a wonderful supper. But I would like to attest that they stole that idea from Jesus. Amen. Oh, I mean, I'm here to tell you today, the first Thanksgiving is in John chapter 6. But what is amazing about John chapter 6 is that every time I've read it as a kid, I've always thought that this is Jesus doing some powerful stuff here. I mean, Jesus comes, he sees a couple fishes and some bread, he prays over it, and then everybody gets to eat. 
And, and as I began to read the story again, I said, this is an easy sermon. You know, let me come in here, bless somebody today and let them know, hey, what little you have, the Lord will expand it and feed everyone. Amen. And I'll be honest with you, that is the sermon for today. So you can say amen a little bit stronger. Amen. I said, what little you have, blessed by Jesus, can feed everyone. Amen. But here is the setup that I found in John chapter 6. Christians have a problem. And here is our problem. We don't hold ourselves responsible for feeding others. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's easy for all the years of my life to be a consumer of food. I mean, I know I look beautiful today, and, uh, you know, dressed up. But underneath these beautiful clothing is uh, some years of eating. Amen. Uh, you go ahead and laugh. Don't worry about it. I, I'm very confident in who God has created. But there are some years of eating underneath these clothes. Amen. And what I've recognized as a Christian is that there have been years of consuming food, years of going to church and, and becoming so, so filled with the good stuff. I mean, you guys sing hymns. Amen. I love, I love the hymns. I think hymns have begun to make their way out of the church, but I believe that they are the pillars of this or this religion. And I love to just go to church and be fed the hymns and be fed the children's stories and be Amen. fed the word of God. Amen. I love to eat Amen. of Jesus. Amen. Because when Jesus gets inside of you, you see, there's a, something that you get when you eat the rice and beans. You just sit back and say, oh, woo, that was good there. She knows what she's doing. And I get the same way when I get to, to, to having a good time in Jesus. I just sit back and say, oh, Lord, I feel so full of you right now. Lord, you, you, you hit the spot today. I mean, I came to church and my stomach was grumbling. I had a little bit of an attitude, but the elder got up today and he fed me a word from you, Lord. And I felt filled. But unfortunately, this is a setup for Christians. And Jesus understands that food is always a setup for Christians. Some of you might not want to believe me, but Adam and Eve in the beginning of the garden, what did they have a battle over? Food. Daniel in chapter one, when they are taken away from their homes and they're brought into captivity, what was the first uh, uh, issue that he had to deal with? Moses, when they're leaving and they're, they're the children of Israel are complaining constantly after being freed. What were they complaining over? I mean, Jesus now finds himself with his disciples in just six chapters of John. And the issue that they are about to deal with is food. Now, why is this important? Why is it important is because I believe that every Christian's faith comes down to a challenge with food. Now, I'll be honest with you, and I'll preference this, you know, just to say that I'm not here to preach a health message, unfortunately. Listen, I believe in it. I love it. I support you. I do eat some, 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 we're going to get in there. Bye. Praise the Lord. But this health message, or no, this food message, rather, is just a little bit different because I believe that God is putting more of an emphasis on feeding others than, than we like to focus in on it. Please turn with me to John chapter 6. I want you to see something really, really unique here with Jesus. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. When you're there, when you hear you say amen. amen. John chapter 6, verses 5. Are you there? Say amen. Amen. 
Amen. All right. And it says this it says when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company coming unto him. He saith unto Philip, which shall we buy bread that we that these may eat? And in verse six, he says this. And this he said to prove him for he himself knew what he would do. In other variations, it says that Jesus asked Philip specifically this question because he knew the answer that Philip was going to give. So let's throw this fence away. What did Philip answer and say in verse seven? It says Philip answered and said, 200 pennies worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. You see, I love the New Living Translation because Philip actually says to Jesus, Lord, if we worked for half a year, we still wouldn't have enough money to feed these people. Ah, somebody, listen, listen. Jesus is here with 5,000 men plus women and children. Some historians say it's up to upwards of 20,000 people on this mountainside with Jesus. Jesus comes and he says to Philip, hey, Philip, how are we going to feed these people? And Philip looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, how are we going to feed them? There are almost 20,000 people here. But Jesus asked him knowing what he was going to say. And I love that Jesus knew what he was going to say, because if you know what someone's going to say, what do we call that? It's a setup. Oh, you can laugh. Yeah, come on. We know how Jesus was setting Philip up. Jesus knew that Philip would give an answer. And let me tell you right here, right now, what Philip basically was saying in more modern terms. Philip was saying, Jesus, this is impossible. Yes, yes. Are you understanding how powerful that is? That Philip looked Jesus himself in the eyes and said, Lord, this is impossible. But what I love more about this, this verse is in chapter 8. It says, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? You see, what I love about Andrew here is that Andrew does what, a, uh, what I would do as a Christian. You know, he's looking around and seeing Simon Peter uh, being uh, uh, failing the test of Jesus. And he goes around and he said, hey, if Jesus asks me next, I must have an answer for him. <laughs> he, he's just looking around and saying, I see him telling Jesus it's impossible. But, but if he comes to me, I, I'm going to have to say something. And he's, he goes around around 2,000 people. This man, Andrew, is going and searching, and he only comes back with one kid's lunch. Ah, come on, somebody. Listen, 20,000 people, some historians say, and one, one kid has a lunch. And he doesn't come to Jesus Almighty, the our Lord and Savior, the one that they had just seen turn water to wine, the one they just seen walk on water, the one that they had just seen do great and marvelous miracles. He doesn't come to him and just say, hey, I found this lunch and just be quiet. He says, what is this little snack to 20,000 people? I see, I'm trying to set this up so you can understand that Jesus is dealing with his disciples on this issue of food because he understands that when we look at feeding others, first of all, we consider it impossible. I mean, there's so many people to feed. This world is so big. I mean, just in Frederick's alone, of course, this is a nice, beautiful church on the countryside. But take an hour trip down to D.C. and the people are just flooded in there. 
cramped almost. See, I'm from Massachusetts. We would never live like you guys. Amen. We believe in at least having some space. I mean, you guys put homes on top of homes on top of homes and thousands of people in one community section. You see, in Massachusetts, you get some space to breathe a little bit. But I can imagine on this day on this mountainside, there's 20,000 people. And the first thing that Simon says, which is true, this is impossible. But the second thing that I believe that Christians say is, Lord, we only have a little to offer. Is, Lord, I only have a snack. God, I've been searching, asking everyone to contribute, to throw something into the pot, to give something to to allow us to be able to feed those who have come here today. And we all go searching and looking abroad and we come back to Jesus and say, Lord, I really want to feed him. But the truth is, I only have a little to give. We have made feeding others impossible and we have made what we have to give them little. But there is good news named Jesus. You see, what I love about Jesus is that I believe we begin to create God to being uh, uh, just just who he truly is, which is God. Amen. You see, but but sometimes we don't uh, like to put Jesus in the, the place of someone that actually walked and talked with his disciples. You know, sometimes we don't like to <clears throat> humanize Jesus. But Jesus was a human. And he came to show them a human principle while they, while their minds were believing that this must have been a spiritual test. So Jesus says this. Let's, let's make it plain and let's make it simple. He says in verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. Now, I want to let you guys know what you're about to see here is called Thanksgiving. Amen. I, I mean, this this is powerful because for me, it blew my mind when I saw it, when I began to read it, because I began to say, oh, no, the pilgrim stole it from Jesus. You know, I, there's nothing new under the sun. You see, Jesus came and he said, hey, have everyone sit down at the dinner table. Have him pull up a seat to see what's about to go on here. And then after Jesus said, sit down, he said, now there was much grass in the place. So the men that sat down with a number of 5,000. Of course, we said there's women and men. So we're just put the number somewhere close to 20,000. And verse 11 said, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given what? Oh, no. I said, when he had given what? When he had given thanks. Amen. See, Jesus saw the snack. And gave thanks to his father. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is a place to shout. With little, with the impossibility in front of him. He didn't begin to say a prayer. Lord, you know we got 20,000 people to feed in here. Lord, you know that some people like their rice black and some like them with rice and peas. Lord, you know that there is a, there's not enough coconut milk in here. To feed everyone. No, 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 no. See, what I love about Jesus is God is not a God that believes he has to beg for the mercies of God. See, God, Jesus understood he didn't have to plead with his father. All he had to do was come to Jesus and say thanks. You see, Jesus understood the relationship with his father that what seems impossible, what seems small, all he has to do is thank Jesus. And at that moment that he began to thank Jesus, it says. Says that he said that he gave thanks and he disrespected to the disciples, to them that were set down and likewise the fish as much as they would. One of the amazing things that I love about Jesus is that not only did he give them some food, but they got 
eat to their heart's desire. Doesn't that sound like Thanksgiving? I don't, I don't know about y'all, but when I get home, uh, what is it, November 28th, and I'm rolling to Springfield. The only thing on my mind, see, I, 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 I have a method when Thanksgiving comes. See, you don't eat any meals. You don't eat any meals except for one meal that day. You wait, you starve yourself, you don't eat any breakfast, you don't do anything, you sit there on the couch, you wait, you wait, you wait. And, <coughs> and then, around 2 o'clock, when that oven dings and family members start pulling up, you begin to think, hey, not only do I get to eat just one plate. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm about to start running around here. Not just one plate, but two. And when I get finished with the second one, I take a little nap. And I wake back up and eat my third. Amen. I mean, my heart's desires. And one of the best things, I want to read verse 12 for you right here so you can really understand how good God is. It says, when they were filled, when they were what? When they were what? Filled. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. I want to tell you guys right here, right now, one of the things, and I promise I'll come to this church and I'll come back and share my blessing. One of the main things I'm looking forward to do when I get home is taking some leftovers. Yeah. Oh, amen. Listen, listen. Thanksgiving is good. Thanksgiving is the best day there is. But that Friday, leftovers? Hey, oh, Lord, hallelujah. Those Friday leftovers are amazing. You go out to wake up four o'clock in the morning for Black Friday shopping, and then you come home to eat more. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I know it's all fun and games, but I'm here to tell you the truth. Amen. Amen. When you are with Jesus, it's Thanksgiving. Amen. I mean, it's a time and a place and it's an emotional experience where Jesus won't just give you what you need. He won't just give you enough to fill your stomach, but Jesus will give you more leftover. Amen. See, I, I have two, two appeals for you really quick when it comes to the food. You know, I, I, what has really got me into cooking a month ago is that I, I decided that what I was going to do is I was going to begin to start creating peanut butter and jellies and cookies. And I was going to go pass them out to the homeless. You know, one of the things that I believe when I read John chapter six, that that God is trying to to let us know as Christians is that it's our responsibility. Amen. No, I'm going to say to you again. It's your responsibility Amen. to feed others. Yes, you see, his, his, what he was dealing with with the disciples was don't let them just come for the spiritual meat. Don't let them just come for the word and, and to be healed and to be to be filled and, and to hear how good I am. Don't just send them away afterwards, but no, feed them. Amen. So so literally, church people, I, I mean, there's a literal appeal and then there's a spiritual one. But I want to literally tell you, we need to feed more. I, I really want to say this. I love the fact you guys are having uh, church Thanksgiving together and you're having your your uh, uh your, your Christmas dinner. I thought those were wonderful announcements. I want to be honest with you. Even as a small church, you're doing more than mega churches are doing. Amen. I, I, no, say amen for yourselves. You are doing more than mega churches are doing. Because we have forgotten that God has asked us to feed his people. And we believe that it's only through the spiritual that we are supposed to feed. But Jesus was trying to show his disciples, I am everything. 
Listen, you don't come and spend an afternoon with Jesus and leave hungry. Are you hearing me? You don't spend time with Jesus all day. And for 20,000 people to not have food, but one little boy. Jesus said, I would never let you come and spend time with me. Intercede with me. I will not heal you and love you and then leave you hungry. We have an onus to feed others. But lastly, spiritually. You know, I, I got some statistics here from the World Hunger uh, Association. It says that uh, hunger is a huge issue plaguing our world. One out of six children, roughly 100 million in developing countries are underweight. Some 95 million people in the world do not have enough food to live a healthy, active life. 95 million. 66 million primary school-aged children attend class hungry across the developing world 23 in Africa alone. 23 million in Africa alone. You see, one of the amazing things that I love about Jesus is that I believe that the hunger that we have in this world is God is letting us know there's more work for my children to do. You see, when we look at the hunger of this world, it's God saying, hey, go take some food to these people. And he was trying to show Philip and the rest of his disciples, hey, I know it seems impossible when I say these numbers. I know you only have a little because you're a small church. But if you will come and give me all you have and give thanks unto me, I will multiply and feed everyone. But what God is looking for is for one of us. Amen. To bring our snack to him. Why do I say this? It's because there is also a feeding that needs to go on in the spiritual. Brothers and sisters, if we can find statistics for people who physically do not have food, I believe that there are no computer or data that can be able to account for who does not have the spiritual food. And one of the things that we're missing as Christians is that we believe it's our job to consume our bellies consume Jesus week in and week out, consume and fill ourselves with with, with all the favorite things we love about God, but yet we do not feed others. Other people are starving for Jesus. They're starving to hear a word from him. They're starving to see and feel what you feel. But if you're like myself, you've been there where you feel like this is an impossible task. Lord, I'm just a, a young man from Springfield. Barely able to feed myself. <laughs> Barely able to, to, to get a good meal. Pray for my wife that she's somewhere cooking, Lord Jesus. <laughs> when God, when I, when I meet her, Lord, I pray she knows how to cook. Cause... <sighs> but, but, but I began to think about the seriousness that is feeding others. And as Christians, Jesus made sure that he set up Philip in that moment. So that us today would be able to have this story in the Bible to use, to look back every single time. I think that Thanksgiving is an appropriate time for us to remind ourselves. It's not just about eating. It's not just about filling yourself up. But it's about feeding others. Brothers and sisters, I've made a commitment to myself. I'll be honest with you. I like to share this story everywhere I go. $45 allowed me to be able to make 200 bags of food for the homeless. $40. I believe that we all can go out there and feed the world. 
I believe that we all can set aside just a little bit more and come and say, hey, Lord, this is what little I have. What little $40 I had. I, I, I thought that my $40 wouldn't be able to feed anyone or let alone be able to change anyone's life. But I began to go to, to Walmart and I got the biggest jar of peanut butter and I got some bread. And I just was in there for hours just mixing it. And as I began to start putting them in the bags, I'm like, God, either you're multiplying or $40 is going a long way. How much more can we change the world if we come together and say, Lord, we're all putting in our little and we're giving you thanks. Brothers and sisters, as you go home or if you spend time with your family for Thanksgiving, all that I'm asking is that you will feed others. That it will not just be about consuming. It will not just be about you and your favorite meals. It will not be about you and just your rice and peas and your, your, your scotch bonnet peppers. But it will be about feeding others. God has called us. As much as he feeds me on a daily basis, one of the main things I love about the Lord is that he made sure to mention it in his prayer to his father. Lord, give us our daily bread. I mean, seriously, I know after this sermon, it's going to be possible for you to read the Bible without thinking about food. Amen. 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 But food is all throughout the Bible. And I believe Jesus did it on purpose because when he got to John chapter six, he wanted to remind his disciples, hey, feeding others is not optional. It's not it's not a decision in the Christian walk. Brothers and sisters, when you have your Thanksgiving meal, your Christmas meal, just go find someone. I promise you this and, and, and take this as a challenge. If it doesn't work, please call me up and I will come and apologize. You can bring more people here to eat than you can to come here by Jesus. Amen? Amen. Oh, listen, you put up a flyer and say free food at this church. Oh, the whole church will be packed. He'll bring a friend and another friend. But Jesus understands food is a language we all understand because yes, we all need it. Amen. And the best part about it, there are so many people without it. So we as Christians get an opportunity to give more. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want to pray for you because I love you. And I believe that you guys are already doing a good work here. And I want to com- commend you and continue to push you forward to feed others. Amen. Feed others. When you're on your lunch break, bring some cookies in the break room and just say, hey, just want to feed you. Call up someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Say, hey, just want to go out to eat with you. Go and find someone less privileged than you and feed them. But don't just feed them physical food. Feed them something that will last forever. I love verse 26 and I'll read it again. It says, really, really, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus is saying, people are following me now, not because of the miracles, but because they ate that day. Oh, come on, somebody. I, I mean, Jesus himself said they're not following me because I'm healing the sick and raising the dead. They're following me because that day they got a meal. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amen. For Jesus to say they'll follow me because you fed them. Let's go out here and let's feed people because they need to be fed. I want to pray for you guys right now. I want to say that I love you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. But please use this time of the year to feed others. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for all that you have done. Thank you for the good God that you are. Lord, uh, I want to thank you for feeding us daily. Lord, you have given us your word and it is the bread of life, Lord. And every day we have the opportunity to open it up and to be filled, God. 
But Lord, we're asking that our filled bellies and our filled spirituality will not stop there, Lord. We're asking that now that we have been fed, God, that we will take the leftovers because you have filled up our plate so much, God. We'll take the leftovers and what little we have and what we seem to be impossible, God, and we will take it to you and give you thanks, God, because all things come from you, because anything can happen with you, because all things can be multiplied and extended with you. And after we give you the praise, God, we'll sit back and watch you do what you do, which is multiply which is add on to what little we have. And God, after we see the multiplication of your work, God, we will take this out to the world. God, I ask that my brothers and sisters will take the charge to feed others. God, the world is hungry, not for physical food, but they're hungry for you. I pray, Lord, that you will work on our hearts and our souls. Bless us, Lord. Keep us until the next time we come here together. Bless this church, Lord. Bless the leadership. Bless all the members. God, I ask that you be with them. Just love on them, Lord. Love on them like never before. And in your wonderful name, I do pray. Amen. 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 Were you fed today? Do you feel full?